listening to the Power Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, this is Tonya Don Reckley, your superpower expert, and I'm so excited to have with me the most random kind of connection that you could possibly come up with, which we love. Of course, we love the synchronicities. Jimmy Savage is with us today, and this guy is phenomenal. So first of all, I'm going to let him say hi before I brag a little bit more about it. So hi, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Awesome to be here. So Jim and I connected because Justin and I ended up at a restaurant in Melbourne, Florida, when we were out there for a business conference, Shannon Grandish's uh, Business Acceleration Network Summit. And we were sitting at this restaurant called Hemingway's Tavern, and it is the coolest place ever. You just sit there going, wow, these people did this right. And Jimmy happened to be there that day, one of the owners of it. And this guy is phenomenal. So, of course, we get to talk about superpowers and how they even keep up with the concept for Hemingway's Tavern. And really excited that you joined us on the show, Jimmy. Thank you so much. It really is nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun stuff. I like this. Awesome. So let's just jump right in and talk about what are your superpowers? Well, I thought I had a unique superpower. I did take your online quiz, which was awesome, by the way. My power is energy manipulation, which I do agree to, to an extent. I think I'm pretty adept at directing energy and putting it where I need to. But what I think that I do really well is I think that I had the ability to connect with people and really quickly and really deeply more than your average person. So whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're homeless, whether you're professional, man, woman, black, white, I feel like I had the ability to connect almost anybody. And I've kind of proved this over and over again through my experiences with people. And I do work in my restaurant. So I meet all different kinds of people in all walks of life all the time. So it's really useful and it's gotten me where I am today to be able to connect with people and to create a rapport. It is by sharing the same experiences and the same emotions and the same struggles that you're able to find common ground with people. And by doing that, you're able to break down barriers and you're able to build rapport. So I think that's what my superpower is, is connecting with people. Oh, I love that. And I absolutely would agree with that. You just have that confidence and that aura about you. And it comes across. I think a lot of that comes from just a genuine interest in people. Would you say that that's how it works? 100% true because everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a background. Everybody's got something that you never heard before. And everybody's got a different paradigm, if you will, which is a a phrase that I learned from the late Stephen Covey. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got a different paradigm that you don't even know about. So, you know, just by taking the time to understand some people, not only are you going to enjoy yourself, you could very well expand your own mind and you could learn some things you never knew about and just experience things you never experienced before. So it is a little self-serving, but at the same time, it's gotten me to where I am today and I really enjoy it. Well, and I like that too. So let's look at our interactions. So here we are sitting at this restaurant and, you know, Justin and I just have a huge appreciation for life and the details of life and the nuances in life and what people have created and everybody's paradigms and this and that. And so we're sitting there, like the atmosphere is fantastic. We're having a great time together and we're like, this is a really amazing concept. Like, how did they come up with this? Just that intrigue and curiosity. And so we just asked the question, who owns this place? Like, how did this come about? And they're like, oh, our server who was phenomenal. I don't remember her name. What was her name? I don't remember either. Uh, Um, She was so fantastic. I don't remember. I called her out in my review on Facebook, though. Oh, cool. Thank you. She's out there. But 
She was absolutely amazing. And, you know, she's like, oh, well, Jimmy's here. And I was like, sure, let's talk to Jimmy. And so here we are. We don't know each other. Like, we could easily be like, what do you want? What's going on here? You know, you could be like, <laughs> oh, they're going to complain about the food. But it was like, let's just talk. And I think we talked for, what, a half hour or so. We did. Um, we ended up having a very nice conversation. And we went all kinds of directions. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> yeah. And I was talking to you. And I remember when you said you had a, you know, counterintelligence experience, instant hook. <laughs> It was like, who knew that I was going to just be talking to one of my guests and they were going to tell me that they had counterintelligence. Oh spirit, my goodness, you know? how funny. <laughs> and, and that's why you do these. That's why you go out there and you reach out and you make these connections because you don't know what these people have done, you know, and it's oh, cool. Yeah, so it's cool. so fast. And I contend just to affirm what you're feeling. Like I'm very clear that that's the only reason I have that experience in this lifetime is because it intrigues people to get them to listen to me. So I'm super clear that that's why I chose that trajectory. But it's been a blast. And really, as intriguing as you think that my background is, the super intriguing part to me, and I want you to really talk about how you came up with this. I know the restaurant industry is pretty simple, serve food, people like the food, they come back. But there's so much more to it. And what you did was you actually created a really cool experience Almost without being obvious, it's not like a rainforest cafe right. where it's like you're being slapped in the face with it. It's obvious and it's there, but it didn't feel overpowering. It felt like complementary to the experience. That's an art. That's a very artistic expression of something to be able to kind of get in that space. Talk to us about how all of that came about. Okay. Well, uh, I'll start from the beginning. Uh, well, first off, before I go any further, I want to give a big shout out to our designer. His name was Jim McMillan. He is a phenomenal guy, and he is a true artist in every sense of the word. He's a little bit crazy, which is probably why I like him so much. <laughs> Not only is he a designer, he's a musician, he's a writer, he's a sculptor, Aww. he's a mayor. He's a true artist, so he's got this unique ability to not only have a vision, but he's got the technical knowledge about know how to get there. He handpicked and designed the entire interior of that restaurant, of course, with our guidance and giving him a vision and end goal. So that's number one, Jim McMillan, amazing man. He's got a business called McFuture. Where can we send people? Is there a website with McFuture? McFuture.net. Is it M-C-F-U-T-U-R-E? Correct. Absolutely correct. That's it. Awesome. We will so, send people your way, Jim. So to kind of give you a little background, starting from the beginning, how I came up with this concept was, first and foremost, I have a deep love and appreciation for the city of Key West. Key West is what Hemingway's Tavern is based on. It is a Key West-themed restaurant. So I love that city. It's got this rare combination of history and mystique, and it's got people from all over the world there, and it's a great little town. I love it. So that's the beginning. The second part is I've been working for the same company now for about 15 years. The two companies are called, their one company that's combined is called Mega Mally's. It's an Irish pub in Melbourne, Florida, and Long Doggers Eateries. Long Doggers Eateries is a small chain we have here in Brevard County, Florida. It's a hot dog and wing place. Really, really nice. Kind of a local beachy joint. So I work with these guys for a long time and they were working on a third project. The third project has not come to fruition and it may not, but it was a New Orleans themed restaurant. So I'm thinking about these guys and I'm thinking about what they've done. They have taken locations. Each one of them has taken a location. The Irish pub based on Ireland, the Long Doggers restaurant based on the beach, the New Orleans restaurant based on, you know, the city in Louisiana. So these were all places that were based on locations. So very, very simple. And I said, well, what location do I love more than anything? It's Key West. It's my escape town. It's where I go to kind of relax. And I feel like that's not uncommon. I feel like a lot of people really love Key West. And essentially where I am, where I live uh, in Melbourne, Florida, we are about six hours from Key West. So people here, they know Key West. Most people have been there. So we are just far enough away where you can't really go on a day trip but we are so close to where you can't fake it. People have been there. 
I love that. I can't uh, fake it. You can't. You can't. If I tried to make like a New York restaurant down here, people would think it's hokey and I could have whatever. Or if I wanted to do a Chicago, whatever restaurant, people might not been to Chicago or know what it's about. But here, majority of people in this area have been there. They know it and they can't fake it. You can't be like a rainforest cafe where it's in your face and it's overwhelming and it's not subtle. So even though you've been in the restaurant, you've seen, I wouldn't say we're subtle. We've got a nine foot elephant head statue <laughs> sticking out of one of our walls. So we're not exactly subtle, but at the same time, Jim did such a good job in arranging it in such a way to where it's not forced. It seems like it's natural. And if you've been to Key West, Tony, have you been to Key West before? No, I have Key West envy now though. Oh, you got to go. It's such a good time. <laughs> It is such an eclectic town. And again, my love of people and connecting with people. I go there and you just meet people from all over the earth. It's not like you're just going and meeting people that are in town from Miami drinking for the weekend. You're meeting Russians. You're meeting people from Japan. You're meeting people from Brazil. You're meeting people from all over the country and the world. And it is really cool to just sit next to a bar stool and have a, hey, where are you from? Romania. Oh, well, really? What's, uh, what brings you here? You know? nutshell that is how the concept came to fruition it was a passion for a city that people around here really really love and it was also i kind of gleaned off a common thread from all of the restaurants that i've been involved in previously so it was very serendipitous if you will and actually i worked for mega Mallies in this long dog company for years and years and my partner that i have now was my former boss and he actually approached me he was like I need you to come up with a concept idea. We've got this opportunity. And I'm like, ah, okay. So it was kind of, it, was, it wasn't like forced, but at the same time I was charged with doing something. And I had a couple of ideas that got shot down first, rightfully so. They were weak and not good enough. And I liked being pushed to the next level. So I was actually approached to make a restaurant and I had always had ideas in my head. It just somehow came together in just a serendipitous way, just like our meeting. It just kind of happened to, <laughs> and the exact same thread, Jim McMillan, our amazing designer who made this place come to life. He randomly introduced himself to my partner at one of his restaurants and just said, Hey, I heard about you. I want to work with you. And that was it. That's how I we connected love it. with this guy. It just came out of the blue and it couldn't have been a better match. So I'm not especially a spiritual guy, but sometimes these things happen where you're like, wow, that is so (laughs) random and amazing and perfect. It just seems meant to be. Oh, well, we talk a lot about synchronicities because I'm becoming more and more and more convinced that we, if you will, intelligently design certain aspects. It's kind of like talking about the counter-intel thing. There's Mm -hmm. no rational explanation for how I ended up in that field in a very random way. But it makes total sense with the work that I do now. I mean, it sounds weird to say that, like the spy arena and the superpowers, but they're kind of connected, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, it it, it, it gets all mixed up there. But it wasn't an obvious connection at all based on what I had done previously. And it was just kind of, there's threads, but it's only taking that 50-foot perspective or in retrospect to be able to go, oh, this makes perfect sense. But in the moment, it's a seemingly series of random events. Yeah. But then you see it together and you're like, I don't know. I just, I can't at this point in time say that it's anything but some sort of design. Like to say that it's random, I would have such a hard time believing that at this point. I mean, even how my husband and I met, like the series of events, the choices that were made. So we play with those concepts a lot at Superpower Experts because it would stand to reason that if that exists, if there are synchronicities and there is some sort of creative element going on to it, if we can understand that and master it, it would make sense that then we would be able to create what comes next. 
So that's that multidimensional mastery Mm -hmm. piece that we like to play with. And it's like, what would happen if we were in full awareness of what we were creating in the moment or even prior to the moment, rather than having to wait for retrospection to Mm -hmm. see it? I think you're getting into kind of like some of that secret territory now where you envision your future and that's where you're going to go. And I think there is something to be said about that. I do believe in hard work and I do believe in pushing and learning and growing. But at the same time, vision is a huge part of that. Having your eye on a goal and pushing yourself to go there, I think that's a big part of it. And you need to be able to envision things and you need Mm -hmm. to be able to push yourself towards those things. So there is a certain thing to be said about being able to visualize things in your head. So I think there is a certain element of truth to that for sure. Well, and for me, I feel like I've moved into another phase where it's like an up-leveling of even the visioning. Like I really do believe and feel like I exist in that paradigm that is being created while it's being created. And it's so fascinating to be in awareness of it. The way I explain to people, it's like you're existing in this world that you're creating, but yet you're constantly having to look here, if you will, whatever here is, mm-hmm. for the clues that you've left, like a Bill and Ted's. I don't know if you're old enough to know, like, but like the clues that you left here, because if you don't attend to the details here, then you actually thwart the possibility of that existence happening. Does that make sense? A little bit. Yes. <laughs> so it goes beyond even visioning. It's like you have to eat, breathe and sleep, but like totally embody this as though there's no other possible reality other than this one that you are experiencing in order for it to really come into fruition. That's the power of focus right there. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the power yeah. of really just honing in on a single, whether it be goal or element or facet, whatever it may be, if you can focus your energy and your power like I said, there's just so much we don't know. There's just so much mm-hmm. that we just Absolutely. don't know. And it's amazing how crazy things come together when you focus. It's amazing how there's like a tunnel vision where things come together and who knows what's going on that we can't see, the shadows that are not dancing on the wall. Who knows <laughs> the connectedness <laughs> that we are experiencing we don't even know about. Absolutely. You know, when you're just thinking about somebody and the phone rings and they're calling, you're like, what the hell is that shit? Come on. That's some weird stuff, you know? That's and something. Yep. It's yep. something. It'd be one thing if it happened once or twice, but that happens to you. I was just thinking about this person and they texted like, mm-hmm. what's going on here? So I think you're right in that aspect. Well, and for me, it's like, we could be wrong. And like, I often sit there and think like, cause I like to do the whole, like, what if concepts in its entirety? So like, okay, what if we're wrong? What if there is no multiverse? What if none of these concepts are true? What if we're making all of it up? And at the end of the day, like I followed that rabbit hole, you know, I kind of yeah. went down that So at the very least, we're having fun and we're enjoying life. So when we die and, you know, all of a sudden it's like, ha ha, fooled you, you know, none of this is true. Okay. But at the end of the day, it was still fun. We thought we were in control of our existence, whether we are or not. We feel like we're creating and we're coming up with proof to prove to ourselves that we are. And we're having a fun time doing it and finding others who want to play in that. So I don't see a downside. I mean, other than we might be crazy, but... What really matters is that you're finding a life that you can believe in. I think that at the end of the day is what kind of really matters because if you were living a life that you didn't believe in, you'd be living a lie. And that is unsatisfying in the the worst kind of way. So I think just as long as you are satisfied with your life, no one else has got to walk in your shoes. As long as you are happy with your existence and what you've done, I don't think you have to answer anybody. I think that's the ultimate human freedom right there. Uh, I love that you say that because that really, I think, is what drove me on this whole trajectory was to get total sovereignty and a kind of authority over my own existence. 
And what I find is the people who are most willing to play in these spaces of synchronicities and superpowers and everywhere else, and just kind of the creative element are the ones who are willing to say exactly what you just said, which is that's enough. It's enough that I believe it because the ones in my opinion, who are seeking and seeking and seeking and feel as though they're at the mercy of some element that's just outside of their reach are the ones that's not enough for them. And they want the proof. They need that external proof. And when I released the need to have external proof, everything shifted. And, so, and ironically, then the external proof showed up. <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> it was and like, then, oh, that's right. what happened. When you stop looking for your keys, that's when you go and sit on them on the couch. And that's true. You need to be unafraid and you don't need validation. Well, I'll put it this way. If you don't need validation, you don't need validation. Some people do need validation, but everybody's different. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah, okay. That's and that's what's amazing about the world. It's okay to be different. And you don't need someone to tell you that you are good. You just need to know that you're good. And you need to know that you are who you are. Like you said, it's like a bag of rocks. Once you let it go, things get easier. Things seem to fall into place. And you're exactly right. I think I love that kind of stuff. I love it. And then ironically, people do show up and tell you that you're good. But by then it's like, you don't care. Like it sounds nice. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. You know, oh, you want to play with me? Very cool. But it doesn't define who you are. Whether they choose to play with you or not doesn't define you. And I had to go through some really intense gut level searching in starting this whole superpower experts adventure. Mm -hmm. And at a couple of times along the way to go, okay, if nobody else wants to play in my sandbox, am I still going to create it? And I was like, yes, but I had to get to that. Yes. And until I was able to hear that very clearly for myself, everything was in flux and it was sort of happening and it was sort of going and there was all these concerns of like, oh my gosh, like what are people going to think? And can we really say that? And every step along the way was just another degree of crazy. But ultimately I'm doing this for very self-serving purposes. And that's why people want to play because it's like, it's, it's free. True. People are attracted to confidence. And the funny mm -hmm. thing about that is confident people don't need your attraction. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> it's i love little you know snippets of quotes and things like that and one great quote that i heard recently was confidence is not they will like me confidence is i will be okay if they don't mm. and, oh and that's perfect if you walk into a room confidence is going if no one likes me it's going to be okay i'm going to be fine when i leave this room and for whatever reason People gravitate towards that person because they don't care. <laughs> exactly. They could give or take it. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you're not affected. In my opinion, it's probably because you're a solid, you're a rock, you're not fluctuating, you're not trying to appease, you are who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that offers a, a certain bit of stability and people dig that. People dig people that know who they are and are confident and are comfortable in their own shoes. It's kind of one of those funny things. Again, confident people don't need your reassurance, but yet you still admire them for their confidence. Well, and my bias is, is that even though everybody's different and all these other things, I think that ultimately some aspect of us is constantly seeking that sort of connection to ourselves. And it shows up differently for everybody, but I feel like that's what has us in fear or doubt or seeking or any of those things, because I see it over and over and over again. And people only react in what we would consider maybe negative or uh, fearful ways, whether it be through anger, whatever the myriad of reactions might be. Mm -hmm. It's typically, if you dig down deep enough, it's the fear of that non-connection, which some people equate to survival things like fear of death, which again is a symbol of non-connection or lack of love. It appears in many different ways, but it, the kernel of fear is the same over and over and over and over and over again. And when you are clear in who you are and that connection to self, even death isn't terrifying. There's no fear of lack of survival because you know you're going to be fine regardless. Yeah. I've said to many clients, here's the thing, like at the end of the day, even death isn't that big of a deal. 
So when you start to rid yourself of all the ways that fear likes to show up, it's a very powerful existence. You know, the cool part about death is, is once it happens to you, you're not even going to care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, is that really that big of a deal? It's like, oh, yeah, not really. That's like the fear of being asleep. Once you get yeah. there, you're not going to be worried about it. It's just, it's already over. So. Oh, that's perfect. But, you know, going back to what you said about being connected, I think that we are an animal and we are part of this planet and that we're social creatures. I think by design, we are meant to be part of a social group. And I think there's a certain element inside of us that wants to belong. I think as people, we have a little bit of that. We want to be part of a group mentality. And there are certain animal elements that we could validate and we can hold to, but certain things we can evolve past. And I think we can Mm -hmm. transcend. We can transcend those certain things that we know are part of us because we have animal instincts all the time but I can't drop my drawers and drop trowel on the subway. I can't do that. It's not <laughs> well, you could. I could, but then there are get- consequences. <laughs> yeah. So same thing, you know, you can transcend the need to belong. It feels mm-hmm. nice, good, but you can also, at the end of the day, you can go, you know, is this really necessary? There's certain mental health things that might require some connection, you know, family and significant others and children and whatever. But at the end of the day, you're in control of your own brain and you have gotten to this self-awareness point to where you're aware that you're a social creature and that your mind is forcing you to believe these certain things. Just like sexual attraction is just evolution's way of trying to propagate your DNA. You know, you realize that and you're like, okay, I am actually physically attracted to this person, but that's also my gonads trying to make me make more people. <laughs> I am being controlled by my testicles. <laughs> yeah, well, I tried to resist. So hard. You're like, it's my testicle. I can't help it. Can't what help what it. am I supposed to do? I'm sorry. <laughs> I love freaking, it. Freaking oh, that's a great pickup line. Blame the testicles. I got they, nothing. They told me to come over here and I listened. <laughs> How do you feel about it? Was I that? just had this horrible <laughs> vision of you walking, like being led by your pelvis. They're <laughs> guiding me. It's like this beak of beep, 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 like sonar. What do they call that? That little guiding rod when you're trying to find water in the desert, <laughs> a tuning fork or something like that? Oh, man. I'm gonna use that. I think you should. Absolutely. Yeah. Just I'll give me a little bit works. of credit. Just be like, this came up in a podcast for superpower experts, but I do think there's legitimacy to that's it. A, that's oh, a great I want a footnote. I'll give you a shout out. Don't worry. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> if that's not brand slaughter, I don't know what is. So you're obviously a seeker and you gravitate toward resources. And what are some of your favorites? You've mentioned a few thinkers. Is there anything currently that you're reading or what are you into? Right now, I don't have really have too much time for reading, but I know that I do enjoy Stephen Covey is something I've always gone back to, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. That's something that works well in both personal relationships and business about how to approach situations. So always dig Stephen Covey. There's another podcast that I really, really enjoy. It's a male lifestyle improvement podcast called The Art of Charm. I've listened to those guys for years. Oh, you told me about them. Yeah, they are really good in that they help you deconstruct social situations, but they help you become a higher quality person. It started off as kind of like a dating type podcast, but it evolved into this, well, if you become a better person, you become a better candidate and you become more attractive just by expanding your mind and just by being a valuable person, not just by learning a few tricks here and there about what kind of sweater to wear or, you know, how to peacock with your top hat. You actually learn things. The Art of Charm is something that I listen to occasionally. I've been getting in a little more political podcasts lately. Uh, There's one I've been listening to called Pod Save America, which is a newer one. It's only been on the air for maybe a couple of months. And they talk about the political climate. I don't want to get into politics too much, but basically it's critical thinking and talking about facts and sources and accountability and that kind of thing. Uh, let's see. I'm a huge comic book nerd. I read comic books. <laughs> so I'm a big DC nerd. And anybody that knows me knows that I'm a huge, huge Batman fan. And he does delve into his own certain limits of human capabilities and things like that. 
Well, there's this amazing person I've heard about, Tonya something, like in a superpower <laughs> podcast. I'm sure that that's I've, really high up on your list. I've heard of her. <laughs> it's familiar. I'll check it out. Oh, I'll, I'll, so. I'll, <laughs> I'll add it to the list. Please, please do. Well, well what I like is the diversity. And what's so fascinating about that is part of the vision or guidance that I downloaded, access, created, you know, however we want to look at it was the idea of bringing everybody into the same conversation, breaking down the walls in terms of the genres and the archetypal tribes and rather connecting from the space of, okay, we're pretty clear that we get to create what comes next. How do we want to do that? And pulling from a number of different arenas and genres. And what's ironic is actually now that I reflect on this, I remember in college, I had so much trouble deciding on a major and I eventually chose psychology because I was like, okay, I I like digging around in people's brains. But I ended up coming out of it because my professors kept saying, this is not the psychological perspective that you're taking with this. And I'm like, why would I want to take the psychological perspective? There's a million perspectives. Why can't I bring in sociology and economics? And they're like, because this is psychology and there's a psychological perspective. It never fit in my brain. And then what I was able to find was an interdisciplinary degree so that I could pick a topic, but look at it from a variety of perspectives. So it's like, I've been doing this my whole existence where it's like, yeah, but have you thought about this? And have you thought about this? And I like the idea that you have politics and self-help, new thought arena and comic books. And, and, and comic all, books. Which I mean, brings those, it all together. It's true. I mean, look, there's certainly be said for stories. I mean, I love a good story because a good story is believable. Something that is not so far-fetched that it couldn't actually happen. So you need to have these avenues of fiction, but you also need to be paying attention to what's really happening and also need to pay attention to yourself. So like you said, it's just it's a variety of ways to look at things. Is this economically motivated? Is this personally motivated? Is this politically motivated? Or is this just some story that someone just made up and it's all a lie? You absolutely have to look at everything from every angle. But let's take a movie, for example. Everybody loves movies and you can always connect people to movies. Movies are this weird combination of fiction, but sometimes they're not fiction. Sometimes they're based on reality, but they're all trying to make money. So they're economic, but they're also sometimes sending a political message. Sometimes they're sending a social message. It's this single thing that can be looked at from any angle. And if you try and analyze something just from one corner, you're never going to get the entire experience. You're never going to get the whole story. You need to look at things from different angles. Well, and that's such a key point of view, I think, for the current political environment. If we wanted to be conspiracy theorists, there is benefit to keeping people segmented out. There is. Um, there absolutely is. Yes. And, you know, and, and this links back to something else we were talking about when the whole women's march and everything else was going on. I, I talked to a number of people and people want to know where I stood with it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in marching, but okay, why am I not? Because obviously I love social change. I love everything about any sort of advancement, but it didn't feel like advancement to me. And I really sat and puzzled through and I was like, why would this not feel advancing? Like people joining together in a common voice, like that's mm-hmm. good. I'm all for that. And we have evidence in our history of when people have joined together in a common voice and created real yep. change in the world. And Justin, I really sat with it and I was like, what is it about this that doesn't fit for me? And, you know, I brought up the civil rights thing. He goes, yeah, but during the civil rights thing, there were actual laws on the books that were damaging and the civil rights movement changed those. And, and that was the challenge I was having was it's like, wait, but are we currently being harmed? And it's like, wait, no, it's in reaction to some fear of what may occur in the future okay, what do I know to be true? I know the only way to create true change is to create an environment where the antithesis of what you want to create isn't even possible. 
by saying that we're banding together and fear something that may occur in the future, in my opinion, actually creates the environment that says it's possible. Mm. What if we say it's not even possible? Yeah, like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I was hugely involved in diversity training and that kind of thing in college and in grad school. And then obviously the counterintel arena with how national security is working and, and all this stuff. And over time, the only consistency I've seen is that the very thing that we reel against always persists, always. Mm. And one of our newest experts, Dr. Kim Potter, talks a lot about you know what you resist persists. Like it's a pretty natural law, if you will. But it's like, if you're giving something voice, it's like cancer, the anti-cancer charities and foundations, we're trying to find a cure for cancer. However, at what point in time is giving energy to that really perpetuating it as opposed to making advancements in its demise? And I don't know, I don't have the answer, but I do think there's something to what you're giving attention to. So saying we're going to lose our rights as women, it's like, but what if nobody can take those away? It's like saying, if I said to you, don't think about a hippopotamus. What are you going to think about? You're thinking about it. It's like drawing attention to it by saying don't draw attention to it. It automatically draws attention to it. That's like parenting 101. You don't say, hey, don't do that thing. Instead, you find the alternate. Although I don't always employ that technique, much to my own chagrin. But it's like, oh my God, I'm so pigheaded. You bounce my head off the wall many, many times. But I think there's something to it. And this came out for me when I had my whole platform around rape and women's rights and personal power and all these things. And it finally like dawned on me that The way that that truly shifted for me was exactly what we've been talking about, which was when I no longer needed to identify as being somebody who had lost personal power and Mm -hmm. was in the process of regaining it. I simply made the statement and that had the level of awareness that I'd had it all along. Yes. You need to be able to let go. You need to be able to move on. And those are the kind of ways that you do grow. And those are the kinds of ways that you do get to that next level. It's not always by addressing it head on. Sometimes a problem is just a bag of rocks you're carrying around. Sometimes you just got to drop it. And there are certain things that you can definitely apply that to. And some things are definitely worth marching for. If you want to go back to the Women's March and civil rights, civil rights, people were obviously getting fire hose that had dogs. Sick yeah. That was damaging. This day and age, it's not quite that serious. I still think there are some things going on in our society that are less than ideal, but we're never going to be perfect, but we still need to strive towards getting ourselves better and bettering our society and respecting each other. But you know, going back to the women's rights movement, for me, the whole resist thing just seems kind of not really focused is kind of where we're at right now. I think there's just so much going on that nobody has got an attention span long enough to just come up with a clear message. Years mm-hmm. ago, they had the Occupy movement, which had a lot of feeling and energy behind it, but there was no clear path or goal. And I think until we actually are concise and what they're trying to accomplish, I don't really consider myself uh, part of any certain movement necessarily. Right. But just as long as you're clear about where you want to be, that's how you get there. If you are going on a road trip with no destination, how do you know when you arrive? Well, and I think there's a direct connection between clarity of vision and passion or circumstances that demand clarity of vision. So, I mean, the times when people get most mobilized are the most desperate of times. The disorganization is a testament to the... The pressure's not high enough, if you will. Some of us only yes. take action when the pot's really boiling. You know what? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. Majority of people in America, we're not starving. We're not being beaten in the streets. We're not having our families separated. This is not the Great Depression. Things right now are offensive and inconvenient. They're not like World War II style concentration camps. This is not <laughs> African civil wars. 
people will start getting serious when serious things start happening. If to quote like Louis CK, an awesome comedian, basically saying, holy shit, they're cutting off people's heads today. You know, that's when things get serious. You know, that's <laughs> when you're actually not only threatening my way of life, but my life. Right. Get serious right now. It seems just like a lot of inconvenience and smoke and mirrors. And don't get me wrong; like I have my own personal opinions, but I'll leave them out of this right now. But it's just so convoluted and it's just so unfocused. It's hard to get behind anything. And going back to the very beginning of our conversation, what I feel like I do really well is I connect to people. I connect to people on all sides. I come in contact with all different kinds of people, and we all have something in common. We mm-hmm. all have common threads that we share. And I think that's how you've overcome these things is by not focusing on what divides us because again, by resisting what divides us, they will persist. But by focusing on what connects us, you know, we all breathe the same air. We all have parents. We all need food and water to survive. We all walk on the same planet. Mm-hmm. These are things that we share and we should focus on those. Not so much. I agree. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I think that that is the key. Justin, I have read uh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And he talks about a lot of this stuff in there. It's like, we don't really have huge problems. He's like, you know, everybody's got this amount of fucks to give in their lifetime, you know? And it's like, where are you choosing to give those? And we've evolved to the point where this saber-toothed tiger isn't coming to kill us every five minutes. So now what do we do? So we kind of create things to be concerned about. But on that same note, I've already talked about evolutionary terms, and that's how I view some certain aspects of humanity. We were evolutionary molded to focus on the negative because the negative is what kept us alive. Sure, you could stare at a flower and gaze into its beauty, but then you're not going to see the tiger behind you that's getting ready to eat you. So (laughs) we're not designed to focus on beauty. We see beauty, but it's passing. And then we focus on disease and famine and the food chain and what's going to eat me and and how am I going to survive winter. Those are the things that we are preconditioned to focus on the negative. And it's, again, a little bit of self-awareness goes a long way by knowing that that is how people evolve and operate. You can transcend that. You can kind of say, people are forced folks on the negative. I don't have to do that anymore because I am not in the food chain anymore. So I can step back a little bit. Don't get me wrong. There's something to be said about you need to give some attention to negative things. You know, when you're crossing the street, you should definitely look both ways because that could definitely go the wrong way. So yeah, you can't just be negative all the time. You got to step back and you got to be positive because we have the ability to do that. Absolutely. Well, I know people are going to want to find you. Where do you want to send them? Do you want to send them to Hemingway's? If you want to connect with us on Hemingway'sTavern.com and Facebook page and just, you know, like us and see what we're about, you can see we do in the restaurant and there'll be some pictures of the establishment and the food and the people. So that's pretty much it. Hemingway's Tavern on Facebook or Hemingway's Tavern online, HemingwaysTavern.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I love all the conversation and I'm really excited and I'm hoping that you'll come back and talk with us again sometime. Maybe we'll take a topic and hash it out. How's that sound? That sounds great. I would love that. (laughs) Very cool. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much. It was so much fun reconnecting with you. Tonya, I look forward to doing it again and again. I really thank you for having me on here. Absolutely. To all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. And until next time, go out, uncover your superpowers, and change the world. Take care, everyone. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.